0: you so much, all those on the platform, if you have your Bible, Luke chapter 9, so I get the privilege of taking us out of 2016, and uh, I hope you open your hearts tonight, and I want to uh, present what I f- believe is the Word of God for this evening, Luke chapter 9. Now, the Christian life has many challenges and there are many voices of diversion when it comes to maintaining our course. Now Paul himself voices his own fight. And he says in First Corinthians nine twenty-seven, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection unless when I preach to others I would become disqualified. So he is establishing the fact that there's a fight involved in maintaining our course. There are many diversions. Now, this world represents all manner of things that seek to encroach upon the Christian life and ultimately to disqualify as many as possible. The problem is that more and more of God's people are ending up on the road of distraction due to the secular elements of life. Now, when Jesus dealt with the church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, What he was really, we call them the lukewarm church, but really they were the secular church. Members of this church were in a bad place spiritually. Now, you wouldn't have known it by their activity because they, on the outward, seemed very faithful. And they didn't even realize that they had gone off in their hearts. The reason they didn't realize it is because they were doing fine financially. Money was rolling in. Their lifestyles were flourishing. And they didn't see how much the secular had actually encroached upon them. And they were no longer really contending. They were just enjoying life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And Jesus says, I take issue with that. They were not sinning in the sense that we think it takes to become backslidden. But they had no real fire of God in them. And the result was because of the secular encroachments of life. And that's what I want to preach on tonight. The secular encroachments of life out of Luke chapter 9 beginning in verse 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, speaking to Jesus, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury the dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow, And looking back as fit for the kingdom of God. Secular encroachments of life. I want to first talk about fighting against a secular culture. Now we live in a secular world and are called to fulfill a spiritual calling and purpose. So this alone brings a bit of tension. Now, when I say secular, we're dealing with the attitudes, the activities, or other things that have no religious or spiritual basis. Modes of business, ways of thinking, that have no spiritual basis. And the thing about the secular arenas of life is they're not all sinful in and of themselves. And this is where the deception can come in. Now, just because... We label something secular does not mean it's sinful. It's still secular though. Now what I said, just, I said a lot right there. Just because we label it secular does not mean it's sinful, but it's still secular. Now let's focus for a moment on the secular based upon the things in life that have no religious or spiritual basis. We're talking about these secular attitudes and activities and other things that while are not sinful at face value are connected to the draw power that this world has. And the end result, if we're not careful, is the shifting of appetites. And this is a very important subject because we are appetite driven as human beings. Now the devil uses the world to seduce our hearts and affections to other things. One man is quoted as saying the world is not neutral. Sights and sounds are orchestrated by somebody, somewhere to do something. The world wants to tease you, get you, embrace, use and defile you through relationship with it. One of the features of the last days will be secularism winning out in people's pursuits in life. And this will be true also in the church. That secularism will win out above the spiritual. Now secularism deals with how the world works based upon our own reasoning and our own five senses. It deals with ideas and philosophies And a secular perspective on things like entertainment, leisure, career, and purpose in life, and how we spend our time. Secularism. Now in Matthew 24, he begins to give us an understanding of what the last days will will entail. And in verses 37 through 39, as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. Did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So this is describing large portions of humanity intoxicated by the secular elements of life. And and again, let's remember. Just because we label it secular doesn't mean it's sinful. But they're intoxicated because it's still secular. It's not spiritual. And they're intoxicated with this secular element of life. And it caused them to miss the boat. Just like Jesus is saying that it's going to cause many to miss the rapture. Can you imagine how sobering that's going to be if you're, you know, you're not out there just committing all sorts of whoredoms and and acting crazy and being stupid and a liar. But you missed the rapture because you were just so intoxicated with the secular parts of life that you didn't realize your heart had drifted away from you. And the thing about this is biblical preaching does not sway the secular mind. Noah, over a hundred years of preaching. To no avail. Because when you're dealing with a secular mind. I mean preaching becomes. Something that seems in our reasoning. That you know that's trivial. That that that's something that's of opinion. Or more it becomes an agitation. Biblical preaching flies in the face of the secular. This is why they don't understand the Christian lifestyle. They don't understand the priorities we have in life. You know they don't put it together to say well you're highly committed to this in your life you serve this purpose in your life just as intensely as I serve the purposes of the kingdom of God but somehow I'm all weird and out of whack because I'm pursuing something that you think is forced on me it's because that's the way the secular mind thinks only reason why you guys do that is because they force you to do it and preaching flies in the face of the secular because it's not reasonable to their secular pursuits. In our text, as Jesus approaches these men as they're on a journey, each person is giving a secular excuse to why he cannot follow Jesus. And Jesus establishes the spiritual as more important than the secular and it flies in the face of those listening. It didn't even move them. Because once secularism takes over, it nullifies the power of the gospel. Because it's just another saying. It's just another man's philosophy. It's just another way that you can choose in life. See, our world is intoxicated with the secular. The non-spiritual. And so this creates a cultural battleground when it comes to the church. And the more that secularism... Wins out, the more extreme true Christianity begins to look and be perceived. What? You went to church twice on Christmas Day? What is wrong with you? Nothing. But if you're secular minded, it looks like something's wrong. And unfortunately, that statement is also true in the church. And how professing Christians begin to view things like what's happening in this text. We have no more use for these types of texts. You see a large part of the church world, they won't touch these texts. Because these texts are not in the flow of what they want to uh, believe and preach. And that is that Jesus says the secular is below the spiritual. Not the other way around as so many have made it. And we have another text that is just like this. Only... It carries with it more of an eternal weight and consequence. And is found in Luke chapter 14. Beginning in verse 16. Jesus said to them, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. Sent his servant at supper time and said to those who were invited, come, all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, well, I bought pieces of ground and must go see it. I ask you, have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to go test them. I ask you, have me excused. Still another said, I've married a wife. Then you married the wrong wife. And I can't come? So here's this invitation to this great supper. Jesus is obviously speaking eternally. The heavenly supper. And why do they turn down the invitation? All because the secular is winning out in their pursuit of life. In their affections of life. Where they want to spend their time. Where they want to spend their priorities. Material pursuits. Leisure pursuits. Family and career pursuits. And again, none of what I mention is sinful at all. Unless it begins to win out over the spiritual. And ultimately, the more important that they think these are, they have greater influence than the spiritual. And this made these people have less and less time and energy and affection for the things of God. Spiritual appetites slowly being dulled. And here's this great supper, this eternal supper. Uh, well let me be excused, and of course in their minds there's nothing wrong because I'm not doing anything wrong, which is absolutely true. Except for you've made a shift with the secular and I was above the spiritual. And here's the climate that we live in and are expected to live for God in and not lose our passion for God in the process. But I fear that the secular is winning out over the spiritual in too many of God's people. So I want to talk secondly about the voice of the secular. Because in our text, we find the voice of the secular. And it's those three words, let me first. Let me first. In our text, Jesus is challenging the secular commitments and pursuits, and he gets a very secular response. Verse 59, he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. Well, if you know anything about the day, he was probably the firstborn. He probably had the, first, uh, the birthright. And burying his father did not mean his father was on his deathbed. It meant he had to wait till his father died, which could have been 20 or 30 more years, so that his father could give him what's his, and then he'll follow Jesus. And in verse 61, And another also said, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me first, the words of the secular, go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Jesus understanding the issue of Family domination of the day uh, understood you're going to go bid them farewell you're not going to come back. And he says, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom, you're going to turn back. See, the voice of the secular, when challenged with the spiritual is, let me first. It's not a flat out no. We're not saying, no, absolutely not. Forget that nonsense. We're not saying that. We're just saying, let me first. The secular minded. Is determined that they'll eventually obey God and follow him according to this calling in their lives. But let me first. I find it very interesting in the initial words of the first man in our text. Because this is totally unsolicited when this man blurts out. Jesus is walking by. Bible says he's on a journey. And this man blurts out, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Now that's a pretty lofty statement. Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Unsolicited, because instinctively this man understood what Jesus required and looked for in his followers. And Jesus obviously, knowing that this man did not have the resolve to follow through, says, foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head. In other words, He's saying your commitment to the secular will not allow you to live at the level necessary to fulfill your words. See, here's where we start, as they would say, get the rubber meeting the road. That when we begin to give over to secularism, the deeper issues become the lack of ability. Oh, we may say it. We may even in our hearts... Want it. But our commitment to the secular will never allow us to live up to the level necessary to fulfill our words. This is further illustrated in The Rich Young Ruler. Jesus challenges his secular commitments. And he was not able to put them aside to fulfill God's calling for his life. See, everything, let's not forget about this world and the things that we have in this world. It's all, we need to handle it loosely. Just handle it loosely. Don't get your iron grip fist on the things you have and the dreams you have. All great, fine, but handle them loosely because you never know when the Lord is going to come along and require something greater of you. He comes along. uh, and he requires of this man. And he's offering him uh, probably one of the positions of with the twelve disciples. Uh, but the Bible says in Mark 10, beginning in verse 21, Jesus looked in to, at him that he loved and said, One thing you lack. Go your way. Sell whatever you have. Give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Come take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful. For he had great possessions. His commitment to the secular. Would not allow him to live to the level necessary to fulfill Jesus call in his life. So here's where a deeper problem begins to evolve. We become diluted to where. We are or how we understand where we are in relationship between the secular. And the spiritual. We have a very hard time discerning that in our life. Really, really discerning it. And this brings us back to the church of Laodicea. Because they were blind to their true spiritual condition. And this is Jesus himself pointing it out. So I'm under no delusions that if Jesus can point it out and they don't listen, that there are many that will sit under preaching like this and blah, blah, blah. But Jesus himself speaking to them, pointing out their failure, and I don't know if they ever responded. <laughs> See, once the secular begins to win out in our priorities and our theologies and our commitment in life, it makes the preaching and challenges of the Bible begin to sound very extreme. So if you find yourself all of a sudden just thinking, well, that's just extreme. That's because the secular is winning out now. Because it's still the same word of God you were saved under. It's the same sayings that we once all followed so wholeheartedly, but now all of a sudden they're extreme. Because that's one of the indicators that the secular is beginning to win out. That we once embraced and followed and now we're calling them extreme. Have you found yourself speaking about sermons like this as just extreme and over the top? Well, it's an indicator that you're in an unhealthy place when it comes to your heart and the secular elements of life. Because that's what Jesus was testing in our text. That's what he was getting at. the issue at hand then becomes idolatry. So let me talk about this for a moment. Because listen to what God told his people Israel when the secular was winning out over the spiritual. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. The land also is full of silver and gold. There is no end to their treasures. Their land is also full of horses. There is no end to their chariots. The land is also full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. Now a couple of things to point out here. He's speaking to God's people. That first of all, God's people had given in to the surrounding culture. They had become intoxicated by the same things the pagans were intoxicated with. Gold, silver, Lands, cattle, accumulating wealth. And again, in and of itself, nothing wrong with those things. But once they become what we're intoxicated with and cause us to lose the ability to respond to God, they now become idolatry. So the second thing that God is pointing out to them is what they began to worship. He said the work of their hands, the work of their fingers... In other words, the lifestyles that they were producing. That their lifestyles now became an issue of idolatry because now they went from pursuing God's will to pursuing lifestyles. Remember, everything in this life needs to be handled loosely. Enjoy it if you got it, it's there. But don't let it become an idol. Don't let it become an intoxication in your life that overcomes being intoxicated with the things of God. One indicator of this shift taking place in your life (coughs) is when it agitates you that the church stays so busy and challenges you to be committed beyond the pew. If that becomes a point of great agitation, that's a great signifier that the secular has encroached in your life. And why would I say that? Because now the church is infringing on your ability to simply sit around and indulge in your lifestyle, beginning with your leisure, because we worship leisure today. Stay away from my leisure. Don't encroach upon my leisure. I know, I know. Some of you are not liking this at all. I I get it. Lord, I'll get around to doing some things for you and making a deeper commitment, but let me first. That's the voice of the secular winning out over the spiritual. Idolatry is all about what's first in your life. And this all sounds extreme, very extreme, as a matter of fact, and becomes very agitating to secular society or to secular Christians. Now, I fully expect some of the ways that I function in life, and the way our families function over the years, to seem very extreme to my unsaved family. Now, they've learned over the years how to adapt, but they, they really had a hard time embracing this Christianity that was all-consuming. But I expect that out of them. But I don't expect that out of the church. But yet it happens. Because idolatry is all about what's first in your life. And if the secular begins to win out, everything we do is going to start seeming more and more extreme to you, become more and more of an agitation to you. So let me close then with the necessary renewal. Jesus makes a parting statement in the text. It's verse 62. Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now this presents the idea of someone who was once fully engaged, but pulls back, loses focus, and their attention is now on something else as a priority. (coughs) That's the picture that's presented to you and I. There's only one solution that is presented to us and that Jesus presents to those that is speaking to based on what he just said. The only disposition that will keep us from diverting to the secular over time is by staying fully engaged in God's work and purposes. But see, there's the tension, especially the longer we serve God. We really do get the mentality that somehow we put in our due, we put in our time, we've done our thing. Well, tell Caleb that after 80 years. Tell the Apostle Paul that who finished all the way to the end. Tell Jesus that. Tell the disciples that. No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. So at some point, if you're not careful, you once were engaged, you were full on, all in. You've taken your hand back. You've diverted your attention. At some point, you become unfit for the kingdom. Unless you get back on, of course, which is where we're going with this. Hand to the plow is a picture of pressing in, fixed on what's ahead. I'm going to read the NIV version of Paul's words in Philippians three, twelve through 16. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. Who? All of us that are mature. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you, only let us live up to what we have already attained. So, In essence, he's saying the same thing. He says that the way that God laid a hold of me in the beginning, and the way that I laid a hold of God in the beginning, He says, that's the same way I try to live even today, all these years later. Knowing that this is a point of contention in this world. And there's so many things that are trying to divert me. And so therefore, I press and I I keep my eyes straight ahead. And I don't become diverted. In other words, I keep my hand to the plow. (coughs) The requirements of this happening... Deal with staying engaged in the agenda and the flow of God's church and the specific will of God for your life. The specific will of God for your life. He says the same way I was willing to give up things for God and alter pursuits in life for God in the beginning of my conversion is the same way I press on still today in my latter years of salvation Forgetting what's behind. Straining towards what's ahead. Handling everything in between very loosely. And ultimately, you know what he's saying? It's no regret living. I have no doubt there are people here that you gave a lot. You surrendered to it all. You gave yourself for the gospel plow. You fulfilled years of sacrifice and surrender. And today you sit in regret. Man, if I hadn't given my, I could have done this and I could have done that. Paul says, no regret living. I don't regret it. But to the secular, worldly mind, this is very agitating. This is very agitating. So outward reform begins with inward renewal. We will not get this right unless something in us is renewed and converted again. It was the worldly secular mind of Judah or Judas that spoke out when a woman poured out an entire year's wage on Jesus' head. And the Bible says in John 12:4 through 6, but one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simeon's son, who would betray him, said, why is this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? But this he said, not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. So secular, worldly-minded Judas could not come to grips with this Woman's amazing sacrifice and surrender before Jesus Christ. His secular mind could not process this. And Judas, or Judah, Judas had many opportunities like this. To see his own heart. Based upon the words of Jesus. But remained secular and worldly minded. We, too, have many opportunities. God will appeal to us. But here's the problem. The more secular we become, the more agitating this type of preaching becomes. The more secular we become, the more agitating we become with what we perceive perceive as the encroachment of the church. On how I want to live and what I want to do and the priorities I want to have and the things I want to... You get the point? So will you allow the word of God to renew in you a love and heavy pursuit of the spiritual? If you will, it's going to change some things about some decisions you're making. Some things you're currently pursuing in life, perhaps. And Here's another problem for those that are secularly oriented in life. They don't know how to apply a sermon like this. It frazzles them. They go to extremes all over the place, bouncing around. They take this and like, what does this mean to me? What do you want me to do? Well, i got to just go sell everything. I have. What? You know what I mean? Because you don't know how to handle it because you're so secular. You don't know how to just hear from God and that God can say, no, this is what I'm after. And you say, this is what you're, okay, that's what we'll deal with God. No, no, no it's a problem. Minds are agitated. Filled with reasoning and rationale. Don't have the type of spiritual condition that can just know what God is saying and do it. I said that with a smile, by the way. It's on the video, you can see. Or... The other way we deal with it is we just blow it off, ignore it, walk out the door, and say, everything's fine. I don't need to change. Don't deal with it. See, we need inward renewal that will bring us back to where we once were in our lives. Remember, I'm preaching the last of 2016. so This is very appropriate to enter us into 2017. We need fresh renewal that will bring us back to where we once were in our lives. If you make inward renewal your priority on a daily basis, you will not get off track. But you will still need to make the fresh commitment to respond to whatever challenges that God, by His Word and Holy Spirit, bring. And never stop growing forward. And once you've gained ground, don't lose it. That only happens with spiritual renewal. You know what I'm preaching to you? I was telling Ernie earlier when he was in the office. I said, you know this that I'm preaching? I have to fight with this every single day of my life. Literally. Some days are not a big deal. Other times I see myself, diversions, distractions, stuff. Constantly. But That's the world we live in. It's the body of flesh that loves that. And I think to myself, if I have the yoke and the restraint of this calling, which, which really does narrow things down, and I struggle with it, what's keeping some of God's people in place? Better be that you're finding inward renewal with Jesus Christ and his purposes. And we must be constantly pushing back on the secular encroachments of life, because listen, this is what will define the end. This is the defining feature of the end. They were just about secular pursuits of life. Living for happiness. Living for the latest and the greatest. That's where their hearts really were. That's where their affections were. And when Jesus comes along in his moment, you never know when he's going to come along. And he comes along in his moment and says, follow me. They didn't have the spiritual wherewithal to live to that level to fulfill it. They didn't have it. They couldn't do it. So I'm going to challenge you tonight at this altar to push back on the secular. Find fresh renewal. Put your hand back on the plow. Some of you haven't touched a plow in years. Years. But once you used to plow with all your might, you had great fields that you made for God. All these dreams and things and vision and talking about what God's going to do in my life and this, and then today it's just like a, a graveyard. But you know what? If we renew ourselves tonight before God, all of this. I mean, that's what he was doing when he when he dealt with the churches in Revelation. It wasn't the end at that point. He was just saying, look, if you respond, all of this will change. But if you don't respond. One day is going to come. Listen, if you don't respond, one day is going to come. The Lord is going to say, follow me. And he's going to keep walking and you're just going to stay muddled down in your secure little life you've made. Not pursuing the will of God, but pursuing your lifestyle. And you know what? You'll do a good job of it. An amazing job of it. But you better be careful you don't miss the rapture because of it. And let's bow our heads together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As the Holy Spirit of God would challenge our hearts tonight. Oh, God, help us to be responsive. That we would not have waxed over ears, Lord. That we would not have hardened hearts. Lord, the secular reasoning would not right now win out over the conviction of the Holy Spirit. God, lay hold of our hearts right now. You're here in this place. You're not right with God. You know what? You are in the right place tonight. Because God wants to meet with you. Personally. He wants to enter into your life and do a miracle of change. You know, we're about to enter into a new year and people are going to make all these resolutions. But for a lot of people, the reason they make resolutions is because they're just hoping beyond hope that somehow something can change for them. But you know what? I'm going to read your future to you. If you don't accept Jesus Christ, it'll be same old, same old and more of it. But You know what? Tonight, it's like. A line that's drawn. And God says, if you'll step over and meet me on the other side of this line, 2017 will be better than anything you could have ever imagined. It would be so amazing what God will do in your life. Beginning right here tonight. And I want to make an appeal to everyone here that is not right with God. You're not a Christian. You've never been born again. You've never given your life to Jesus Christ. And really lived for God. I'm talking about going beyond just believing in God or owning a Bible or wearing a cross around your neck. I'm talking about really giving your life to Christ. and Beginning to follow Him more than anything else in life. I'm telling you, if you'll make that choice tonight, 2017 will be amazing for you. All those things you only hoped will become real. Because there's a real God. Wants to be involved in your life. But you have to come on God's terms. And tonight you're here. You're not right. But you want to get right with God tonight. And I want to just help you by praying with you tonight. Simple prayer. That would lead you to Christ. And help you cross this threshold into next year. With God in your life. You'd say, you know what? That's me. That's what I want. I want you to pray with me. If that is you, I want to ask you to do something. I want you just to lift your hand up so I can see it. That's me. That's what I want to do tonight. That's what I'm ready to do. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus Christ. Cross over this threshold into a new year with Jesus in my life. With the hope of real change. Thank you so much. You can put that hand down. Who else? This honest heart tonight. There's others. God is dealing with you. Tonight's your night. This can be your year. God will draw you to himself and do a miracle. Will you come to Jesus tonight? Who else along with his honest heart? I'm ready to get right. Would you pray with me if you want that? I want you just to lift your hand up so I can see it. Acknowledge it. Thank you so much. Who else? You can put that hand down. God bless you. There's others here tonight. God is dealing with you. You're ready. It's time to cross over. Let's do this. Let's make this right. Let's see what God will do in 2017. I'm telling you, I can't tell you what, but I can tell you because I know God and I know what He's done in my life. It'll be amazing. Change. Addictions broken. Anger taken out of your life. Marriage is restored. All sorts of things that God can do if you'll just come to Jesus tonight. There's others here. You're ready for that. You want us to pray with you. I want you just to lift your hand up so I can see it. Who else? With these honest hearts here tonight. There's others. Thank you so much. Who else? You're backslidden tonight. You know the truth. You've lived the truth. But you're not living it now. But you're ready to. You'd lift your hand up all across this place. Who would that be? God's dealing with you right now. You're not right with God. You're backslidden. Come to Jesus. Thank you anybody else along with these honest hearts waiting there's others here tonight you can cross over the threshold that something radical and new can happen in your life come to Jesus who else would come tonight lift your hand up very quickly so we can pray with you then we're going to move forward in the service okay you lifted your hand I want thank you right over here thank you you lifted your hand I want you to look at me eye to eye you meant that you meant that yeah you meant that I need all three of you to come. If there was anybody else that lifted your hand, you're coming, just come. These brothers are walking down the aisle with you. Somebody else here, they lifted their hand. I don't remember who it was. Thank you, Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Listen, church. Renewal. There are many secular encroachments of life. We have to live this. The distractions of the 21st century are more than any other generation and history has had to deal with because of technology because of potential and remember just because something's labeled secular does not mean it's sinful but it's still secular and that you need to understand because you can cross a line of too much secular and not enough spiritual I will say this to you, that at some point in your life, you've been called to preach. But you put that on a shelf to pursue something else. Well, you've become secular. You've become secular. The secular has encroached. You can no longer respond to Jesus' call to follow me in that capacity and context and to mention it even right now it just agitates, it just agitates that's because you've become secular and if you'll be honest about it and bring it to the altar and make a decision about renewal and stick your hand back to the plow, the sky's the limit, the sky's the limit God's not done with you He's just waiting on you He's not done with you So no doubt this sermon is speaking in a lot of different ways. And we're going to make this altar going into 2017 one of renewal. Where we once were, if that applies to you, you're going to make it your goal to get back there and more so. But That means you're going to have to scale back some things in your life. And you already know what they are. God's already dealt with you many times over. But God help us that we don't become like the rich young ruler or like these men in the text that can no longer respond. Have the right profession. Lord, I'll go wherever you... But you don't have the spiritual life that can fulfill that. Because you're too secular. So let's come to these altars and talk with God. These altars are open. Let's stand to our feet. Let's come before God. Let's really do business at this altar. You really need to touch heaven. you need to make some decisions about 2017. We're going to be entering into our fast next Monday. It's a great time to be renewed by God in our pursuits of life, the decisions we're making, and make sure that God can always come at any time at any season and say follow me the bible says when he came to the disciples and said that they dropped their nets and followed him you know how radical that was see but here's the problem the the more secular that society becomes the more extreme that we are viewed and if that was just secular society we could deal with that but the problem is that's in the church That's in the church. We become viewed more and more extreme and more and more infringing. and It's because it's bringing a challenge because preaching is supposed to keep you. It's like a guardrail. Keep you from going over the edge. Keep you in check. Keep me in check. By the Holy Ghost. And and let me just tell you this. Let me just say it. That if you're secular. Your kids will be more secular than you are. There's no way to avoid it. With a few exceptions. There's no way to avoid that. and That's scary. Oh God help us tonight. Have access to our hearts Lord. God let the wax that is built up within us. That is impeding the Spirit of God from speaking to us, Lord, be melted down by the Holy Ghost tonight. Let the conviction that is upon this altar be responded to, my God. Lord, have access to our hearts. God, have access to our priorities. Lord, take hold of the reins of our lives once again. That the resounding... Decision at this altar will be to put our hand back to the plow. Oh God, open the heavens tonight, Lord. Have right of way. God, break through the hardness of hearts tonight. Break through all carnal reasoning, my God. Let the word of God triumph over everything else tonight in Jesus' name. That the secular would be subdued under the spiritual and be subservient to it in our lives. We would be willing to say yes to you, God. Not let me first. You know, we really think that let me first is an appropriate response because really what it's saying is I'm not saying no. I'm just saying let me first. But that's the secular voice. That's the secular voice. It's not acceptable. If you call to preach, guess what? You call to preach. It means your future is decided for you. Everything you do now is a means to that end. Anything you do to better yourself, anything you do to make yourself of more earning potential, it's all for one purpose and end. And it isn't so that we can enrich ourselves and have a grand, awesome career. No, it's so that we can preach the gospel and sustain ourselves to that end. That's what it is. That's the reason when Elijah came down and cast his mantle on Elisha. And Elijah said, well, let me go and bid them farewell." And, and he says, what is that to do with me? That's between you and God, in essence, is what he was saying. Elijah knew the moment, and he went and he boiled the oxen. And he went on to find Elijah. And God gave him a double portion ministry. Now, if that agitates you, that's an indicator of how secular you've become. Listen, (laughs) I had to do a lot of altar calls in my office during the process of putting this sermon together. This is real stuff I'm talking about. We need to cross over into 2017 with our hand back on the plow And finding inner renewal. Because you can't do it any other way. Paul said the same way when I was apprehended early on by Christ. And the way that I laid hold of Christ. That's the same way that I'm pursuing it today with all my might. Forgetting those things behind me. That's not a statement that says he never looked at anything with any value outside of the gospel. He was simply saying I handle all this very loosely. I just handle it all very loosely. I live my life in such a way that God can come at any time, ask and say what He wills, and I'll do it. See, what's the specific will of God? Let me hone in a little further. What's the specific will of God for your life? We love to live on the generalities because we feel like we're fitting in with the the congregation, but what about the specific will of God, and are you doing it? Or have you said, let me first? And it's been such a diversion that you're not even sure. You know, that's why we convince ourselves out of the things that God spoke to us before, because we get so secular minded, worldly minded, we we can't even, we can't even discern whether, man, was that really God? No, it's just me, just my emotion. Out. That's where that battle comes from. Can you make that decision at this altar tonight? You know what? I'm gonna lay hold of God again. And he's gonna lay hold of me again. God's going to renew something in me so that I can respond. Whatever He wants me to do, whatever that means for me, whatever level He's calling me to, I'm going to do it. And if that's the commitment you're willing to make going into the new year, I want you to stand to your feet with your head bowed. and We're going to consummate this tonight. God help us. We live in such... A secular society. Secularism rules the day. The world will make you feel more and more extreme for these stands and these visions and callings and types of preaching. Make you feel more and more extreme because that's the secular world we live in. But You know that secularism moves into the church. Moves into our life. Moves into our family. We start raising our kids on that, not even realizing we're raising them in secular pursuits. It bothers us more that they didn't get an A on their report card than that they're not doing good spiritually. There's something seriously wrong with that. Something seriously flawed with that. But tonight we're going to nail this thing down. Lift your hands, it's a sign of surrender, and pray with me, O God in heaven. Lord, have access to my heart tonight. Once again, God, I want to respond. Lord, I want to lay my hand back to that plow. God, there's so much that I've allowed to encroach. Distractions, diversions, secularism. God, I want to surrender again tonight. And I need your help that you would access my heart In the days ahead, God, that you're going to take over again. And I'm going to surrender not just tonight, but again tomorrow, and again the next day, and again the next day. And I'm going to live just like the day that I was converted when you laid hold of me and I laid hold of you. God, I want that again. Fill me again with vision and calling and destiny, and purpose for God. I seal this before you in the name of Jesus. Begin to worship Him tonight. Oh God in heaven. God in heaven. Hallelujah, Lord and Savior, Redeemer, Hand Rabando, Hallelujah, worthy to be praised, O oh God. Exalted and magnified, Lord, have access tonight. Oh, God, have access to our hearts, we pray, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Go to the right, for I have given you my spirit, that you may walk across the finish line. Thus, save the Lord thy God. Oh. You, Lord. We, give we give you praise. We give you praise. Thank you Lord. Somebody else has another word tonight. God, laid that up. Why do you scratch about the earth, saith the Lord, looking for this and that, uh, fearing the days that are coming before you, saying, How will I eat? How will I survive? My life is ruined right Now you say to yourself, uh, but don't you know that I am the Lord most high. I live above the heaven, above the heavens, and I see your life, I see your future. I have laid out a plan before you, and I will bring it to pass, saith the Lord. Yes, yes. hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lord. And so you've got to take it. It's got to still be there in the morning. For some of you, this is going to vex you for days. I'm just telling you. This is going to vex you for days until you surrender. Matter of fact, I'm saying that by the Spirit of God. For some of you, this is going to vex you for days until you surrender. Coming and going. And you're going to remember these words. And when you, wherever you're at, whether you're driving down the road, in the bed at night, somewhere, and and when when you decide that's it, I'm, I'm giving in to you, Lord. You'll be totally set free. Be the most powerful. Matter of fact, it'll be a a powerful visitation on your life. It's going to be so supernatural. But you're going to be vexed until you do it. Amen. So we're going to dismiss. Amen. And don't forget if you were picking up a turkey or a brisket to get those on the way out. We very much appreciate you doing that. Um, have a great weekend to look forward to. Don't forget the Spanish service tomorrow. Saturday morning is prayer and outreach and then our banquet. Saturday night is going to be a fantastic time. You'll enjoy it. Your kids will enjoy it. So let's come and then we'll be back in church on Sunday. Let's bow our heads together. We're going to rejoice, dismissing, thanking God for all that he's done, helping us. Amen. And I'm going to ask you if, um, if Sally Iglesias would just lift his voice and dismiss us in prayer.